The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about really looking within because really and truly all conflict does derive from within ourselves. And I've been reading this great book called The, the Problem Was Me by Thomas Gagliano with Abraham Tversky, MD. And it's how to end negative self-talk and take your life to a new level. And isn't that the truth? When we talk to ourselves, and I, I read somewhere that we have literally thousands of thoughts within just a few seconds. And when we have these negative thoughts, it creates outside of us a negative reality. So as we change our negative thoughts, we change our reality. And we have a wonderful guest coming to us from New Jersey. Let me tell you about Thomas Gagliano. He is a life mentor, an author, a speaker, an MSW. But let me tell you that he has worn many hats throughout his career. As a young man, he soon became a successful entrepreneur with a proven track record in small business ventures in the New York area. And then he decided, hey, this isn't really for me. He had dreamed to help others. So he returned to school to receive an MSW at age 51. His book, The Problem Was Me, How to End Negative Self-Talk and Take Your Life to a New Level, with Dr. Abraham Tversky is really a one of a kind, and it explores how we all sabotage happiness in our lives simply because we're afraid of intimacy. And that is just something that I see as a mediator when I'm doing divorce mediation. I see this all the time. So that's why this book really kind of uh, touched me in a way that I think will also touch my clients. Now, today, Tom is a life coach, a published author, and a keynote speaker. He facilitates men and women's groups, as well as marriage consultations, explaining the way uh, to give parents tools to give their children the positive and loving messages that they may have been denied as, as children. And we see so much we hear all the time about uh, violence with kids, with bullying with kids. And so this is a great way to help as well. His website is theproblemwasme.com. And there he has YouTube videos on a media page, which includes bullying, parenting, family intimacy, and substance abuse. And he'll tell us more about that. But thanks so much, Tom, for joining us all the way from the East Coast. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, Tom, let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, how did you d- decide to do this transformation in your own life? The greatest teacher in life, in my opinion, is life itself. It, it teaches you lessons. And as a kid, uh, I was given great messages on how to be successful in business, very competitive in sports. Unfortunately, when it came to intimacy in my life, um, I wasn't giving those tools. And eventually what happened to me was I had all of this money, very successful, but I was losing the love of my wife and children. And I found out that they loved me dearly, but I did not know how to have that love come into me. I didn't know how to accept their love. So I had to work on what was broken inside of me, or I was going to lead a very rich but lonely life. Yes, and surely we know that money isn't everything. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so you, you speak in your book of, um, of an inner critic, a warden. H- how does this destructive inner voice command us to play the roles that we do in life? How does that kind of manifest in our lives? It manifests itself from childhood messages. And I'll give you a quick story with okay. my 8-year-old child where he really brought this to the light. We were watching a baseball game. He said, hey, Dad, how come the kids in the stand root so hard for their favorite baseball player? And I said, well, those baseball players are the heroes. And he stopped, and he was thinking about what I said. And he came back, and he said, you know, Dad, they may be my hero someday, but you're always going to be my first hero. Mm. It was a very powerful message, but it was so true. You know, as parents, we are our children's first heroes. And the messages that we give them in childhood will create tsunami of inner voices that they carry throughout their lives and thoughts they carry throughout their lives. Uh, And I believe that if these messages were negative in any way, an inner critic develops in our thinking, riddling us with self-doubt, telling us we're not good enough, you know, that little voice that tells us what we're doing wrong, never allowing us to celebrate our victories. And I believe that that inner voice, those inner voices that develop from childhood, if they're negative, we develop a warden. And I also believe that these voices affect the intimacy we have in our life, or we don't have in our life, our parenting skills, our coping mechanisms, even the careers we choose. So I can't say enough, as you're hearing, how powerful these childhood messages are as we grow older in life. Yes, and and so we all have some wounds, right? I mean, I, I don't think any of us had perfect parents. Unfortunately, they don't teach in the schools how to be a good parent, how to do those positive messages. You know, uh, the the strongest messages really are the, the parents, the, you know, the modeling that we get. And Absolutely. if we get modeling that is, is less than positive, then of course that just goes on from generation to generation to generation what you're right. talking about and then fortunately in in our time we're st- you know we're starting to look within and start to say wait a minute just because my mother said that or my father said that doesn't mean it's true right 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 and and that is a message in itself think about how many of your listeners have a message that say i should never say anything or think negatively about my parents you know even that message alone will stop you from taking an inventory that will affect your life. The message is I must be a bad son or daughter if I think my parents did anything wrong is what I run into with clients. Everything's perfect, and I need them to expose those messages so we can filter the bad ones out and leave the good ones in. So this isn't about bashing parents. You know, parents did as best as they could with us, but they were handed down the messages that were handed to them. 
Right. And and I always tell people when they're in my mediation, which is kind of like I get them after they can't, you know, resolve things. I'll just say, you know what? You did the best you could with the tools you had. If you had better tools, you might have done better, but you 100%. didn't. Exactly. Okay, so so how do you how do we cuz all of us have an inner critic, right? How do we really work on silencing that inner critic? Well, I talk about three um, three tools in my book. Awareness, action, and maintenance. Without awareness, you won't know what actions to take. And without action, there's nothing to maintain. So the first piece is awareness. You have to grow aware of this inner critic. In other words, put it on paper. Talk about this inner critic, this inner voice to other people. If you do that, you might be able to see, are my fears real? Or are yes. they imagined? We can't let the imagined fears stop us. And if you expose that inner critic to other people, it, then it becomes a we process. As you talk about it to other people, you can better understand the actions you need to take to stop and silence that inner critic. And what I've been very successful at is silencing that inner critic's demands so we could stop listening to them and, and just find a better life. Right. Or, or, you know, another way to look at it even is we want to silence the inner critic from doing that, but we can also kind of nurture that inner critic and say, hey, you know, okay, I, I feel this way since my childhood, because you talk about a lot of this comes from your childhood. And then we could just say, hey, we can nurture that in, inner critic, right? I mean, we can, we can actually do something to say, okay, you don't have to feel that way. You're okay, you know, find out what you're feeling and then kind of give it the love and the nurturing that maybe it didn't get, right? Well, I believe what you're saying is how I do it is just a different way in right. that I look at that inner critic as a child and I try to tell people to be the adult to that inner critic. Right. In other words, take care of that inner critic. I also believe that even as adults, when we get very afraid, we'll go back to using the same actions we did as a child to stay safe. For instance, yeah. if we used to isolate as a child, we may isolate from our significant other, and our significant other may not understand, what are you doing? You're, right. you're not sharing your feelings. You're withdrawing. Well, we realize that as a child, it was a self-survival mechanism, and we go back to doing those same things to what? To stay safe. And it may have worked as a child, but it doesn't work as well as an adult. For instance, I developed a very selfish nature as a child, not because I was a bad person, but because I needed to take care of me. Nobody else would. As I grow up into adulthood, people don't like selfish people. All of a sudden, that characteristic that kept me safe as a child becomes a character defect as an adult. Yes. And so that's why being in a relationship with, with a wife or with the children or with friends, there are mirrors for us to show us if we're being selfish or if we're being you know, um, maybe needy or whatever it is that we've learned to do in our childhood, that if we have, the only way we can really learn to change is if somebody says to us, hey, you're being selfish or you're being needy, then we have to say, wait a minute, what part of that is true, right? Right. And I believe there's two ways to change. You need two kinds of willingness. You need the willingness to get help. That is, I need to I'm not happy in my own skin. I need to get help. And the second willingness is the willingness to take direction. When I have clients come in to me and we talk about, you did the first thing, you're willing to get help. Now you're willing to take direction. And willingness to take direction is not easy when you've done a certain role your whole life. And now I'm asking you to come out of your comfort zone and do other actions. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, that kind of reminds me, I just had an experience in mediation that I, that I really haven't had before. And, um, a wife, um, in this mediation, um, said she didn't want a fair agreement under the law, which kind of surprised me, you know, cause I have a duty to help both parties to get a fair agreement. And, um, and I said, so help me understand why you don't want a fair agreement. And what's really interesting is that the husband is the one who had the affair, who has a new baby. And I said, help me understand why you don't want something fair. She goes, she said she would not open up. Even when I called her separately, she said, I am an adult woman. I can make my choices. And I don't care what the law says. I do what I want to do. And I, and, but she was crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm really kind of in a dither here because it's, this just happened to me and I'm trying and I, and I said, I'd like to talk to you alone for free. Um, just to kind of understand what this is all coming from and, you know, May I make a suggestion. Yeah. I asked her to go into, uh, you know, if she was in therapy, she said she's not, right. and she doesn't well, want to. If, <laughs> If she had come into me, I would ask her, what are you afraid of losing? Or what are you afraid of not getting? Everything comes from and stems from fears, fear yes. of losing something or not getting something. And I would also ask her, please tell me the story that you're making up in your head. Could be true, could be false, but let me into that story. I want to hear what the story is. Yes. You know, when, when we touch on somebody's wounds, the first thing they're going to do is push away. Similar to if you had a wound on your arm. Right. If somebody touched it, you'd say, hey, get away from me. Well, right. an internal wound is the same thing. If you touch on that wound, people will try and push you away because it hurts. Right. They don't want to go there. And the best way of trying to get them to go there is to tell me the story you're making up. Well, you know, what, what, what is that about? What, what yes. are you thinking? And sometimes when they start to tell the story with empathy, all of a sudden they feel like, you know, you're trying to heal their wound, not hurt their wound. Yes. And that is exactly what I told her. And then I decided since she um, is very closed and it, this usually, I mean, I've been doing this 28 years and I've never had anybody do this before. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give her some space first. Right. Because um, she said, please respect uh, my feelings. And I right. said, okay, I respect them. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just let go for a while. Cause we're not really there yet. Anyway, we're not right. ready to settle everything. We have some right. things to do. So I thought, okay, I, I made an offer. I made a gesture. I said, I just, you know, I don't want to charge you. I just want to discuss this and see if I can help you. Cause I'm, you know, I, I can see that you're hurting the fact that you cried. Right. And, um, but it's interesting because I usually, uh, people will, especially if I tell them I'm not going to charge them, you know, they'll say, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you, you know, but this is the first time in 28 years that someone said, no, this is the way I feel. And this is it. And I don't want to talk about it. And, and yet crying. And so, but it was, uh, and when you're talking about people being closed, it, it just, my heart hurts for her that she can't open up, you know? Right. And I have a duty of confidentiality, just like you do, right? Mm-hmm. So I could be open to do that. But uh, yeah, it, this just happened to me. So I'm kind of, you know, stepping back and kind of waiting and kind of uh, going to meditate on this. But I do appreciate what you said, because that's kind of where I was. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. thank you for your thoughts. And let's let's kind of go on now. We hear all the time about bullying, and I know that you had... Um, let me know, and and I know that you talk about this that that you yourself were a bully as a kid. So, uh, 
Can Absolutely. You, and, and I know you've grown beyond that, and God bless you for that. How does a child become a bully, and how did you become a bully? I be, a child, what we, what, we, what we lack in our society is talking to the bully, because the bully becomes the bad person. And I can tell you that bullies are created because they were victims at one time in their life before they were bullies. Right. They were victims of physical, mental abuse, or even negligence. Now, it's not that parents mean to do this. If a parent works all the time and they don't pay enough attention to their son, it's not that they're bad parents. They're trying to survive financially. But the child is egocentric. They have the message that something's wrong with me or they would be paying more attention to me. Even when a a parent dies sometimes, a child will take it personally. Like, why did they leave me? So what happens is an inner pain developed in me as a child. My father was an alcoholic. If he came home at a certain time, if he didn't come home at a certain time, meant he was going to come home drunk, and that mm. meant he was going to hurt someone. Right. So I grew up with an inner pain, and I was trying to hurt others the way I was hurting inside. I wanted the world to pay the bill for what happened to me as a kid, and I did things I'm not proud of. I became an addict later. These are all acting out behaviors, but remember, these are the symptoms. These aren't. This isn't the problem. Right. Bullying, addiction—they're all symptoms. What the problem is is a brokenness inside. And until you fix that brokenness, you are going to act out destructively. We've seen this with Justin Bieber, the same thing. Right. It's acting out an abandonment pain he had as a child. His father wasn't around. What's wrong with me that my father isn't around? And what happens is you develop a victim mentality. What that means is the world needs to pay back for what happened to me as a kid. You want to pay back for it. And when the world doesn't, you try to hurt others the way you're hurting inside. And the word I use is a destructive entitlement occurs where you literally give yourself permission. And we see this with actors and actresses all the time. Right. To Lindsay, act in Lindsay ways Lohan. regardless of the harm it causes yourself and others. Right. And this is what happened to me until I went back and fixed what was broken within me. So how, how did that, what happened? What was the, the clinching moment, the, the transformation? How did that happen? I went to visit my father in the hospital. And, well, there were two. One was my, my wife and children left me. My mm. wife said, look, you either need to fix yourself or I'm gone. Right. That was one thing. Another thing was I went to visit my father in the hospital, and he was dying of stomach cancer at the time. Mm. And I sat near him. He was 56 years old. And he had been through a lot of 12-step program and a lot of recovery himself, the therapist. And he said to me, um, I was sitting where you were sitting 20 years ago. He said, and my father was dying from cancer. I never could tell my father I loved him. Mm. He says, I never could tell my father I cared about him. He says, and I don't want to leave this world with that on your back. It's not, it's not fair to you. Mm. And he saw the pain I was in. And as I got up from the chair and went to shake his hand, because uh, remember, intimacy for me as a child, and this is what I tell people, if your version of intimacy was that of pain and fear, you're not going to jump into intimacy as an adult. Right. You're going to avoid it. You're going to walk around it. Right. And that was me. And when I went, left the hospital that night, he started to cry on my shoulder. I had never seen my father cry other than when he was in a drunken stoop and he would hurt me or my mother. Mm. Then he would cry, but it wasn't real. And when I left the hospital that night, I realized that he was a man like myself. He had his own demons. He had his own inner critic, his own warden. And like myself, he was a good person. 
that needed help. He wasn't a bad person that deserved to be punished. That really helped me. And I remember a few years after that, I had an incident with my son. My father used to call me his little girl if I used to cry oh. or if I used to. Well, this is when I was young. That's you know, how you became a messages. bully. Yeah. And I, I remembered years later, my son, we had put my dog to sleep, and I walked into the room. My son was very close to his dog, to mm. our dog. And I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, Dad. And I went over, and I put his arms around me, and I put his head on my chest, and he started to cry. Mm. And I realized what I was giving my son, what my father wasn't able to give me. Right. And that was a safe place, a place to cry in his father's arms. Mm. These are how you change the messages, and that's the most important piece in parenting is to create that safe place where your child can cry in your arms or tell you how he feels and to know that it's okay. He's not defective if he does that. Right. And, you know, when you just brought up about the fact that your wife, and uh, you know, left you with and took the kids and what you went through in your dad's passing, um, it's those times in our lives that people sometimes don't recognize the gift that comes out of those things, that they are transformative moments that, you know, when we say everything happens for a reason, some of the, some of the worst pain that we experience is really a springboard for our transformation. I mean, look what these terrible traumatic experiences did for you. Look at how you're helping people. Look at this wonderful book, The Problem Was Me, the way you're able to express yourself and and be a role model for people who have experienced the kind of pain that you've experienced. So, you know, I, I honor you for that and want people, we're sitting here on a campus with the University of California. And I, I just, you know, sometimes young people think when things are terrible, that that's the end. And we see a lot of young suicides. And I think when people see that the darkest night of the soul could be their brightest future, like I, what happened I to you. I tell people you need a devastation to have a miracle at times. I really believe that. that yes. Some of the devastations in your life is what fuels a miracle. And I believe that me falling down, I believe my, my business was going overseas and I had to get out of that industry. And I believe that this was a plan by higher authority to get me into a place where I can help a lot of people. And I started to run groups free of charge for about five years in schools, churches, just doing this, taking those childhood messages and trying to bring them to the surface and help people understand how powerful they are and why they need to silence them. And if they don't silence those messages, if they repress them or deny them, they pay, they pay such a big bill in their adult life for that. Yes, yes. So it's so beautiful that some, you know, like I said, for people to understand, and I always worry about these young people and their suicides, that they, yep. they're they at the darkest night and they don't realize all they have to do is look up and there's options for them to change themselves and the world like you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the the most important piece a parent can do for their children is to give a child a safe place with safe communications. Sometimes we may not want to hear what our children have to say, but if they're safe enough to share it with us and we create that safe place, they may not go to the wrong people and share it with the wrong people. Right. And that, to me, is the, you know, I have many other tips I can give on parenting, but well, that's the main Why don't you give us some? Yeah, give, 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 give us that. some. Yep. Give us some more tips. Well, I, I, I want to qu quickly share a story. Okay. Again, with my son, and I'll, I'll share it quick. And it was at a, at a baseball game, and he was pitching, and he pitched very poorly, and his team lost. 
and I remember going to him in the dugout after the game, and I'm thinking, which hat should I wear? Should I be a therapist, tell him how he feels? Should I be his pitching coach, tell him he has to keep his shoulder in and all of this stuff? And I said, what should I tell my son? As I walked over to him, he said, Dad, I need a hug. See, he told me what he needed. That kind of safe place is what I'm putting out with my father. He came over, he gave me a hug. And I want to tell you the funny thing. I was looking around, and I saw a lot of kids in the dugout looking at me, looking at him give me a hug. And I really was wondering how many of these kids in their darkest hours when they're struggling and when they need love the most, how many of these kids just want a hug from their parents? That's it, just a hug. Another tip which this segues to is we all need to guide our children. All of us do. We want to tell our children what they should do, what they should be. But sometimes as a parent, relinquish that need to be right with your children and instead listen to them. The best way I found to have my children listen to me is when I listen to them. So that's another little tip. Give up the need to be right and choose closeness instead. Listen to your children. Yeah, you know, listening, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, because as you were talking, I was thinking about that, that I learned with my kids, is just to listen. Just hear what they, you know, how's, what's going on? How you feeling? What what do you think is the right thing to do? Perfect. Especially because my kids are older now, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah. and so I just, you know, I, I have much closer with them now because I don't tell them what to do. Sometimes they'll say, well, what do you think? And I go, well, do you really want to know what I really think? (laughs) Yeah. It's good to ask when they get older to ask permission for that because you're acknowledging that they come first, and, and a child wants unconditional love. They don't want stipulations. Right. You know, I always tell parents, too, when you see your child struggling, instead of reacting, pause. Think about, if you were a child, what would you have wanted to hear from your father at that time or yes. your mother? Yes. Let compassion guide what you say in the way you say it. Like I said, after that baseball game, my son told me what he wanted. He didn't need a pitching coach or a therapist. He needed a hug. That kind of... A relationship is going to ward off the bully mentality, the victim mentality, and all other destructive behaviors. Yeah, you know, I think that's so important, Tom. And and what you're talking about is that pause. And I think that's critical when when you yep. like you were saying to yourself what should i do what should i do but you paused don't react and yeah you you responded rather than reacted right and that's so important in every relationship i mean i teach that in my negotiation and mediation classes before you know if you've got that knee jerk reaction or something that you feel like okay i got to say something just pause and then you know, they'll often say what they need to say. We're just about out of time. I, how about just a, a quick Im- inspirational message that you can uh, leave my cl- my audience with? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a message from my grandfather, my father, I'm sorry, to my child, okay? Uh, my father had passed away a few years uh, from this when this happened, but he developed a wonderful relationship with my son. Aww. He gave my son what he wasn't able to give me, and I thank God for that. And my son had made the all-star team, and my wife was driving him home from the baseball field. And my wife turned to my son and said, you know, Grandpa would have been so proud of you. You made the all-star team. My son responded back at age 13 and said, you know what, Mom, Grandpa was already proud of me. Aww. Huge messages. These are the messages that I facilitate groups 
and I try to have them give their children of unconditional love. You can't go wrong if you give that to your child. Whatever your child will do, he will be happy in their own skin. And if you're not happy in your own skin, reach out to others, take their hand, and allow them to pull you, to pull you forward. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. We, I just want to uh, let everybody know that we've been speaking with uh, Tom Gagliano, who wrote The Problem Was Me, How to End Negative Self-Talk and Take Your Life to a New Level. You are a, uh, you walk your talk, Tom, and we just love you for that. And I Thank hope you. we'll have you back again for your next book, okay? I would love to. My website is theproblemwithme.com, and there's some free webinars on the website some free videos that will really help you enhance the intimacy with your children as well as your significant other. Terrific. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Visit our website at conflicthealing.com and write us emails about your concerns about serenity and peace in your life. Thanks. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.